Welcome to Give Me One Reason. Um, today I'm honored to have Ben and Emily, two of my students here at UW-Whitewater, that I've connected with that um, have some faith perspective in their life. Both of them are very unique, and I'm so excited that they were willing to join me today. Hello, Ben. Hi, Ms. Taylor. Thank you for having us. And Emily. Hi. I'm glad you're here. So um, I think we're going to start with Emily. You know, honey, tell me where you come from in issues of faith. I know in your beginning speech, I believe, you identified as a hardcore Catholic, and I thought that was really interesting for a 20-year-old girl. Well, okay. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Um, I am Catholic, and I love being Catholic. The Catholic faith is so deep. It goes back centuries and it's just amazing to learn about you can never stop learning about it um and the reason i think i'm a hardcore catholic quote unquote is because a lot of the catholics that i talk to don't quite know where they're coming from they're called cradle catholics they mm-hmm. they're they're catholic they've been baptized they go to church sometimes and stuff like that um but they don't quite know history and like the prayers and stuff behind it and I personally enjoy going to church. I like going to adoration. I like praying. I enjoy learning about the Catholic faith. So I think that give me gives me a little bit of a leg up. So you enjoy like the the liturgy or the the process of being a Catholic confession. All that stuff is beautiful to you, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I grew up not Catholic at all, mm-hmm. and um, very ignorant about Catholicism. And then I got. Um, I read a book, somebody referred to Catherine of Siena, yes. and I fell in love with her, and I obsessed about her for about a year of my life. She's great. And not understanding why I would obsess about her, but um, it's okay. We're just going to let that go, because we started, let's let this go for a second. It can be edited. All this can be edited out. Really? That, so yes. That everything, everything we're talking, all this interruption can all be edited out. So don't worry. Do that you know background. how to do that? No, but I could learn. Give me three days. Okay. <laughs> you can learn it. Okay. So we'll have somebody edit this yeah. part out. Oh, yeah. They can edit just that part out, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pick up about Catherine of Siena real yeah. quick. So Catherine of Siena, I read about her in a more evangelical book. Somebody mm-hmm. referred to her. And I felt um, like compelled weirdly to mm-hmm. study her and her personal life and her story and uh, so much so that for about a year I read all these books and I got some of her writings and then I went to Edgewood College and heard a uh, okay. heard a story or a talk on her and all these nuns were giving this talk and they said that she was known for her preaching and I went up and asked the nun how could she be known for her preaching because I don't think women can still preach in the Catholic Church if I'm right I mean not in a not Sunday as morning. a priest right Correct, yeah and so she said, well, Catherine preached in the pubs in the countryside. And then that led me to have my church at the bar. Actually, okay. it was Catherine of Siena. Okay, that's exciting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And, yeah, and somebody that grew up not Catholic. But then I began to have a real appreciation for some of your Catholic writers, Henry Nowen. I really love him. Yeah. And, um, well, actually, Catherine of Siena, she has a quote, um, be who you were meant to be, and you will set the world on fire. Mm. And I had that on my graduation cap for high school. Oh, that's beautiful. Because I really like that. And, yeah, the saints are amazing. They have such great life stories. If you can just find a random saint, you'll probably be intrigued by them. Wow. Yeah. So you grew up then 
totally like going along with your family tradition, being Catholic, going to church, loving it, enjoying it. Correct. You didn't really ever have a period where you rebelled or? No, I don't think so because um, when I was younger, my grandpa was a huge influence for me. Um, and we'd just sit and we'd talk. And um, I guess when I was younger, there's parables. So like stories, I really like stories and stuff like that. And I've just always thought it was a beautiful religion, so I didn't ever really have a huge problem with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I, there's been times when my face been shaken and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. but not to the point where I'm like, nope. Wow, <laughs> that's beautiful. I know I'm in love with the Pope. I just think I know. he's precious. <laughs> um, one of my students a few years ago did a speech on the Pope and brought in one of those six board, six foot cutouts <laughs> of the Pope, and I was so jelly. I wanted to like take it home and have it in my house. But at that time, the Pope was being famous for doing selfies with people. Yeah. yeah. So I stood next to it and did a selfie with me and, and the Pope cut out. And I put oh, it on my Facebook, idea. and I was so proud of it. It was That's just so amazing. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, Pope Francis is really for the younger generation. Yeah. And I really like that. Um, I actually have a quote of his pulled up. Please. I'm all about quotes. Please it's share. kind of a longer one. That's fine. Okay. There it is. So this is Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. Um and John Paul II, Pope John Paul II. So we need saints without cassocks, without veils. And we need saints with jeans and tennis shoes. We need saints that go to the movies and listen to music, that hang out with their friends. We need saints that place God in first place ahead, place God in first place ahead of succeeding in any career. We need saints that look for time to pray every day and who know how to be in love with purity, chastity, and all good things. We need saints, saints for the 21st century with a spirituality appropriate to our new time, new time. We need saints that have a commitment to helping the poor and to make this needed social, social change. We need saints to live in the world, to sanctify the world, and to not be afraid of living in the world by their present, presence in it. We need saints that drink Coca-Cola, that eat hot dogs, that surf the internet and listen to their iPods. We need saints that love the Eucharist, that are not afraid to be embarrassed or to eat a pizza or drink a beer with their friends. We need saints who love the movies, dance, sports, theater. We need saints that are open, sociable, normal, happy companions. We need saints who are in this world and who know how to enjoy the best in this world without being callous or mundane. We need saints. How beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was touching. Yeah. That's amazing. And you know he used to be a bartender. I heard that. Did he really? Yeah, that his story is really interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. So you identify as one of those saints. I want to be. Yeah. I want to be a saint. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Ben? What's your background? Uh, Well, I'm Ben Wachowski. I'm from Milwaukee. I've grown up in the city. I love it. It's great. I've been exposed to different views and, and different atmospheres, different settings, and it's all been great. Um, however, during the second grade, um, well, actually, during elementary school, I attended a parochial school called St. Agnes and Butler, very small city, <laughs> village. However, um, so I was, I, I grew up Catholic. I, I, I was accustomed to the norms of that aspect of religion. Um, however, I didn't fit in. I didn't feel right um, because I like guys. And at a Catholic school like that, um, obviously I didn't really know what it was at second grade, yeah. but I knew something was different. There was something different. And later, 
it became that yeah okay I identify as gay and 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 in doing so um, I was questioned by some of my older friends um, because they were they still maintain their faith however um, through through exploring my own self I kind of lost touch with my faith um, just because I needed mm. to clarify some things and, and I've heard you know, if you're gay, you're gonna go to hell. If if you're gay and you sleep with another man, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to 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 live that afterlife of mm-hmm. that that fulfilled afterlife with you know with God in heaven, and and it scared me. It it it, of course, it yeah. pushed me away, mm-hmm. and and in doing so, I became more in tune with myself. However, I, I there was still a drive to. To believe in something more, to believe in that God, believe in um, the Christian faith, and my grandparents, very, very strict Roman Catholic um, traditionalists, accepted me and welcomed me with open arms, mm. and it was it was quite stirring, and it was a beautiful mix of emotions at the time because I wasn't sure what what they'd say, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they, they said to me, no matter, no matter who you are, God creates all his children in his image, in, in the image that he wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, really, that really sat with me, because you're right, that, that God created me. He, mm-hmm. he is the man that creates all. And yeah. Then I question, why can't other people see this? Why can't other people see mm-hmm. that God created us? We're his children. So... Why can't you see that I'm no different than you? Yeah. Just because my identity is different doesn't make me... I'm still Ben. Mm-hmm. It's still me. Mm-hmm. I still love music. I still love dancing. I still love writing. Mm-hmm. just so happen to want to marry a different person than mm-hmm. who you want to marry. Yeah. And, and I understand that there's the holy... The values behind matrimony between a man and a woman. And, and that's beautiful. However... There's, there's this, this stirring idea then, like, okay, it's okay. I don't necessarily have to be married to, mm-hmm. to have this, this connection with another person and still have that beautiful mm-hmm. connection with God. Mm-hmm. However, time and time and time again, I've been, I've been warmly welcomed by yeah. Christians. Yeah. However, it only takes one or two of them to really set you back. Yeah. And, um... This previous semester, I was studying abroad in Spain, and as a means to find myself, as a means to explore different cultures, a means of many other things. And in doing so, I decided, okay, well, I think I'm going to explore my faith again, especially being in Spain, yeah. a place of yeah. <laughs> traditional Christianity. And I understood that going into it, I shouldn't be, I mean, you should be yourself, you really should be. Um, however, I think when I was looking for a church to join, I really kept in the back of my head progressive thinking, forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And I thought I found that church until we started talking on behalf of just personal lives, personal stories, really getting to know each other mm-hmm. um, between a few of the people in the, in the parish and I. And it occurred to me that while we were talking, there was someone there who, who really did not believe that homosexuals have a place in this world mm. um, and and 
as much as I felt offended and, and, and the way she opined what she was saying to me, how she was saying it and telling me that there is no place, there is no place for people who are gay and through the power of God you can change. Mm. But I've tried that. I really have because in my roots I was born Roman Catholic and not until recently I've accepted this is truly who I am. I can't change because mm-hmm. I've tried it so many times mm-hmm. and I've argued that. But she would rebuttal with, well then you didn't try hard enough. And that hurts. Of course. Because when you want to feel that love with God, you want that connection with Him, mm-hmm. you'd do anything for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you tried and then you're told, oh, you didn't try hard enough, then you think, am I wrong? Am I a farce? Am I not supposed to be in this world? And I'm, am I an abomination, creation of mm-hmm. sin? Mm-mm. You think those things. Yeah. And it's hard. But then again, I sit there and after that conversation... The other eight people who were in the conversation came and they they comforted me. They told me, you can't listen to that person. That one person Mm -hmm. doesn't define the majority of where Christian faith is now. And and yes, there are people who are traditionalists. Mm -hmm. There are people who are going to have their views um, that are opposing yours. But I feel that as humans, that's normal, that's natural, that's... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We explain to each other and we argue to each other what we don't understand. So true. And I feel that's another reason why we have religion, why there is this this foundation for humanity, is we look on to something, a, a higher presence, because there are things in this world we don't understand. I don't understand why I'm gay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure many other people don't either. Mm-hmm. And I, I often talk about this with my parents. Mm-hmm. I often talk about this with my sister, my grandparents, cousins, relatives just because I want them to understand that I also don't understand. Mm. And that's something... That's a beautiful point. And it's not something you would have chosen because who would choose to have to explain their existence? You couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. I remember one time, Ben, uh, I used to teach recovery, and I had this drunk man that would always... Inter- inter- he always came drunk to recovery, which was problematic. Okay. But he would always uh, <laughs> interrupt me with the most stupid things. Like, did you know Goliath had six toes? And he must have had amazing Bible stories told him when he was young because he knew really <laughs> random facts. And um, it would, never had to do with what I was talking about. Right. And it really made me crazy. But we were talking one time and I said, I was teaching and I said, why do you think Christians pick on homosexuality as this one thing that God has this biggest problem with? And this drunk man raised his hand in the back and I was like, oh, great. Oh, God, what are we going to hear? And he said... Do you think it's because it's maybe the one thing most Christians haven't done yet? <laughs> True. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, Batman. That is truth. And it's like, if we, we, we look for that thing, you know, oh, I haven't done that sin, so that sin's bad. But this other sin I have. But right. I'm at this point where, you know, even that doesn't feel right to me because then I'm putting it in the category of a sin. Right. And I don't, I don't personally feel that that's applicable right but and I can see how that has been offensive and there's so much important about the scriptures that get interpreted wrong oh yeah and I I, I, I give validity to the theologians that go back into even the teachings of Paul and in the scriptures when they're talking about homosexuality first of all the word homosexuality wasn't a word then and there was actually a practice with young boys and priests in the you know in the Judeo Right. culture of the day right. that that's what Paul was talking about not equal same sex respectful 
homosexual relationships. He was talking about abuse, which still occurs to this day mm-hmm. in all areas, not just the Catholic oh, yeah. Church. And so it's, it wasn't that. Does that make sense? Nailed it right on the head. Yeah. And so, so for us to call, the, of course, that's a sin, right? Of course, it's a sin to molest a child. Of course, it's a sin. And that was a practice that was acceptable. And interestingly enough, there were other practices that were acceptable in the day, culturally. Um, infanticide. If you had a baby girl back in Bible days, yeah. it was totally legal for the mom to put it at the feet of the father and if the father didn't want it he could step on it and they have found historically ruins where there's bones of little little children because it was legal because women were not valued you wanted a son you didn't want a daughter Mm -hmm. and so those were cultural things of the day that occurred right and now we're trying to interpret something that was written 2,000 years ago in light of our culture today and it and it and it's denigrated a whole demographic of people and alienated them unnecessarily and painfully some to the point of suicide right yes because what greater thought thinking god doesn't love me it's one if you know your messed up mother doesn't love you or you're you know but to think god doesn't love me i'm an abomination no you're a precious valuable human being that he knew before you were in your mother's womb exactly yeah yeah and there's the whole homosexuality is a sin well divorce isn't right a good thing either you're not supposed to get divorced you're not right. supposed and I don't have any other examples right, right now but mm-hmm. I know we do tend to grade the things and the things we have a problem with we are really way down on the list yeah. you know but right. the things we don't struggle with or have an issue with they're at the top of the list and the hypocrisy of that is is blaring yeah and like in the end of the day they're all sins whether mm-hmm. or not not sins but you, you know what I, I know what like, you're saying I, I and I understand and this is a difficult topic because <laughs> I have a lot of gay friends I, I perform gay weddings um, at the expense of my reputation and Thank you. I, I don't <laughs> care because um, religious people that have judged me are have a church to go to they have they believe God loves them with all their heart good for them mm-hmm. but if I could be that voice to somebody who doesn't believe that I'd much rather choose that. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I really believe that God is love. And if he ceases to be loving, he ceases to be God. And you could bring up scripture. Well, then why did he, you know, we're going to deal with a lot of atheists in this podcast. And I'm going to, you know, that's the whole point of it. You know, give me one reason. Why are you a believer? Why are you an atheist? And, you know, there's a lot of scriptural things that, go down in the Old Testament that I can't explain mm-hmm. um, and the whole gays being stoned or women caught in adultery being stoned I mean and I would argue that we don't really believe our Bible literally and someone would say oh I do every single word is literal okay then we should not just be having altar calls or whatever we should be having cutting off hand ceremonies mm-hmm. the Bible right. says if your hand offends you cut it off how literal do you believe that well, How come I don't walk around seeing stumps everywhere? Exactly. Okay, so you don't believe that <laughs> part. But we believe the gay part. But we believe this part. That's messed up in my... How do you feel about that? Well, and I think... I have a few things to say on this. Yeah. When a priest's duty, a priest's job, anyone that's in the archdiocese that, that talks in front of people on behalf of the Bible, the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, their job is to... 
take the information, digest it, and regurgitate it. That's kind of gross. Yeah. But yeah. they're supposed to, to elaborate on it. Because you're right, we shouldn't be taking these things at face point value. And I feel that, especially from looking outward into the church, there are these conceptions that this is what the Bible says, this is exactly what we need to do, but I, there's so much more than that. There's Okay, so this is what priest A says, but priest B said something differently. Mm-hmm. What do you listen to? But, right. but but then you bring it all the way to the top, mm-hmm. and then you take the, this, this, this top-down look on it. So I know that was kind of confusing, but I feel that people, especially having been disassociated for a time of my life from religion and, and turned off from it, now coming back into it, I see that there is, through a simple observation, many people take information given to them, said information, and just take it for face value. They just said, Mm -hmm. oh, that was the sermon, that's it, this is what I learned, and that's on with my day. Mm -hmm. I love God. Sorry, that's maybe a little bit... No, you're right. Blunt. Mm -hmm. But but we're told all the time in in school even, read between the lines, Mm -hmm. think about something more, really connect pieces, make connections. What sounds right? What feels right to you? Mm -hmm. So when you're discriminating against a group of people no matter the group of people. Does that make you feel good? Does it make you feel good? Maybe some people say yes because it's a power play. Maybe some people feel good because they have this idea, oh, this, my group thinks this way. This is what makes me a part of this group. But, but take a s- step back. That's groupthink. Mm-hmm. God has given us an amazing ability to think for ourselves. Mm. Look at what we have now. We have the sciences. We're able to break things down on the molecular level. Mm-hmm. And that was done by brave people who went against the church. And I'm yes. not saying go yes. ahead and revolt. Yes. But, but there's more to life than what we're told. Can I suggest to you that Jesus was the major revolutionary? Yes. I mean, he came and revolted. He did exactly what you're saying. He even went so far to say, you don't even need that a man teach you anything. That's true. He said, the word of God is written on your heart. And you know when someone says, hate Ben because he's gay, God doesn't love Ben, something in your heart, Emily, and in my heart says, that's bullshit, mm-hmm. right? We get this, no. And that is the word of God written on our heart, I yeah. believe. We are to be led by the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, we're taught, right, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, So that's God. This book we have is beautiful, and I believe God inspired it. But you're right. We have to take it in light of culture, in light of the time, in light of, you know, some of it's like Game of Thrones. Do you know what I'm saying? And, like, we don't live in that world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. um, And like I had said earlier, there's parables in the Bibles. Parables Mm -hmm. are stories. Yeah. David and the Goliath may not have, like, actually happened mm-hmm. that could have very well been just a story for but we learned something Jesus, from yes that. for jesus to teach us something yeah. yeah um and you're right about priest a versus priest b versus c who are you going to listen to you take all of those opinions and all of those thoughts and you try to you piece it together on your own you do your own research that's mm-hmm. that's what i like about the bible so much it's just this giant book of information like it's got everything in it Mm -hmm. there's something in there for everyone Mm -hmm. um shoot there was something else i was gonna say 
but I don't remember right now. I heard a amazing quote one time, and, and you got to listen to the, the sound of the words, but it says, you know how people like to say the Bible is without error, inerrant? I, I can't, I can't, I can't ascertain to that because then you got to talk no. about you know god really told the bear to come out of the woods and eat the children who made fun of the bald man in the old testament okay i can't i can't do it <laughs> but i love this quote this man said once he said the inerrant word of god without error was given to man and man recorded it and the inerrant word is inherent in the scriptures it lives in there okay and it's able to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. So when that's why you could love your Bible and somebody else could hate the Bible because you see the Bible as full of all this information that God can take something. Have either of you ever read a scripture and it just spoke to you yeah. personally? Like, oh my gosh, it was like neon. That's for me. Thank mm -hmm. you, Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. But really, that was written thousands of years ago for, in context of this whole chapter. But for you, all of a sudden, it illuminated Okay, and another thing I didn't understand about Catholicism, my my boys went to a Catholic high school, but we grew up evangelical, and so I got called in the office one time because my sons argued with the religion professor, and they said, "Do you understand that as Catholics we usually aren't taught to read the scriptures on our own so much? Is that true?" Yeah, Catholics don't. There's like like Baptists, some of them, you get awards for learning the most like bible verses yeah. and stuff like that catholics we believe so from what i'm i'm aware of yeah is that we believe more in um i guess like serving the lord through through works yeah and stuff like that um and the bible is a huge part of sure any christian religion don't get me wrong but um yeah, but like the like word of the priest, it. like, do you believe that like God gives it to the priest and then the priest breaks it down for you? I mean, that's what the homily is yeah, for. Yeah. They'll, so they'll read from the gospel and explain the two readings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. beautiful. I didn't, I didn't know that. So my boys kind of got in trouble because they were like, wait a minute, Romans, blah, blah, blah says, and he's like, we don't usually have kids come in here and challenge what, the, you know, we kind of get it down. Right. And so for them to yeah. challenge was kind of, um. Different. Yeah, so that that was interesting to me that they. Um, I had never known that. Okay, mm -hmm. but um, it's not much different though. To be really honest, in growing up evangelical too, we have a million different opinions too. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, and that is why I have to go with that's right my spirit. I don't know if it's Walt Whitman or somebody said, go against those things that insult your soul. Oh. Okay, yes. and it insults my soul to think that God hates fags. That is the most insulting thing in my heart. It's no, that's right. a lie. My heart tells me that's a lie. Right. That insults my soul, no matter what preacher would say it. Mm -hmm. And I think if we were led by the Spirit, which is the Spirit of God inside of all of us, right. if we were taught to pay attention to that, we would walk in more truth I believe in our life do you think yeah. that makes sense or it does and and this is I understand there's a value of respect in, in, in every admiration of life every walk of life there is this value of something bigger than us that we should respect there's always someone above us mm -hmm. even though we like to believe that we're all equals so 
in reference to the scenario from before with the school teacher, the professor, um, with the, the challenge of, of power, the challenge of, oh, well, I interpreted it like this, but no, 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 it's actually like this. I think that goes against who we are as humans. I think we, we again, God gave us that ability to think for ourselves, to mm-hmm. think freely, to interpret and and. And, and manipulate the world in which we, we want both both physical and and theoretical and in, in terms of ideas and, and expressions. And I think that that is the most backwards thinking ever mm-hmm. is to disregard other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, again, with everything being said, you can only take it so far. So the professor I think I think religion should be open to these new interpretations because you're right it should fit the culture and you're right going back in time it was written for that time but and 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 there's parts and aspects of the writings that have been lost or misinterpreted throughout time right. so what's what's wrong with interpreting it another way that fits our modern day because you're right the power the power that's invested in us comes from the heart Amen. And, you know, also I was thinking of another example besides the gay example, the, the women. When Paul said, your women should keep silent in church. Oh. <laughs> okay, that sounds very offensive to our modern day, and it makes no sense when we have women. And that, that alone, those words have been used to keep women out of positions of authority and in the clergy. But literally, if you go back, and the reason Paul wrote that... Okay, the reason Paul wrote that, first of all, think about when he wrote it. Women have no value. Some, in some places in the Middle East, it's still that way today. If you have 10 cows, that's better than having five wives. Okay, oh, I got cows, right? But, so the women were not valued, but also there was a problem literally in their churches. And this is what was happening because women had to sit differently than the men. Okay, so women would be on one side, men would be on the other side. And what was going on in real time in Paul's day, the women would be over here listening to the sermon and the men would be on this side and they'd have a question. And they go, what does he mean by that? And it would be distracting. So Paul said, let your women be silent in church and when they go home, ask their husband in quiet because it was distracting for that to go on. So that piece of advice that was given for that church during those times has been translated to a time when we don't operate like that and assigned and applied as if it is thus saith the Lord. Right. When really it was thus saith Paul to this group of people to fix a certain problem <laughs> right. in the year 40 AD or whatever. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So how many other things have we gotten wrong? Probably like half the Bible. Yeah, and but, that's okay because the Bible isn't God. No. Do you do, how do you feel about that? Um, no, I do. I I'm agree. breaking my own rules. I have to tell you guys. I'm asking leading questions sometimes with, and I don't mean to be asking. <laughs> but it's okay. You, what you're doing is you're but challenging. I guess I know us. we're believers. Yeah. And so I'm not. I, you know, I'm good. You're willing to say that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I. Yeah. No, the Bible was, like, God didn't write the Bible. He gave it to people so I mm-hmm. to write so I, I agree with that yeah and I think he had a plan in it and we screw it up just like he has a plan for everything and we screw up everything because right, exactly. we're human and we have to we have a frame of reference that we filter things through what do you think are some hindrances to millennials which is the focus of this podcast to believing in God what do you see 
Well, Emily, especially, like, why do your friends, do you have friends that don't believe? Yeah. Like, what percentage would you say of your friends don't believe as of do believe? I'd say it's probably 50-50, but um, the majority of my friends who do believe, like I said, are cradle Catholics or cradle Christians because they're not all Catholic. Um, And they just kind of go with the flow because... I don't think they've done enough research. I love that term you use, cradle Christian, because I believe that it's all of our own birthright. It's our birthright to have our own experience with God. Our own. Not our parents, not our grandparents. Right. But when we grow up in the faith, it's very hard. What, is, what time does it come? I think it comes at that stripping away when, like you said, Ben, you lost your faith for a while. Yes. When you you need question everything, and then when you get it back, it becomes yours. Mm-hmm. It's yes. not mom and dad's. It's not my cradle faith. It's my faith. Right. Do you feel like you're at that point? Like, oh yeah, I yeah. think it's it's definitely my faith now. And for Catholics, there's technically a time where that's supposed to happen. Um, when you get confirmed, mm-hmm. is when you're confirmed into the Catholic faith. So you decide whether you want to continue being Catholic Mm -hmm. or you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, again, a lot of my friends that I grew up with in the church did, I I I don't think anybody didn't get uh, confirmed, but a lot of them, I don't think, I think they were just doing it to make their parents happy or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that needs to change for Catholics. Um, We, if we decide we want to get confirmed, I really think Mm -hmm. that... And you don't have to be confirmed. As I was confirmed as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers will be confirmed this year, I think. This year or next year, something like that. Um, as freshmen and sophomore. But to really be able to take a hold of your faith mm-hmm. and what you believe... And I'm all about research, so research a little bit more. Talk to some people. Mm-hmm. Make it a real experience yeah. instead of just a... So, if I may interrupt, so what you're saying, if you do plan on getting confirmed, mm-hmm. it should be your commitment. Yes. It's almost your, I dare I compare this, but your marriage into the faith. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. your, it's your matrimonial ceremony saying, yes, I accept these, I put air quotes around it, terms and conditions mm. of yeah. the faith. That's exactly basically to what it is. To explore this aspect, this view of life, to explore this belief. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what, that's what I'm at. saying. And I encourage like all young Catholics to look into other religions. Like I, I think that they should stay Catholic personally. That's just me. Mm-hmm. But like look into being Lutheran. Look into what it would be like as a Baptist. I've gone to all different types of churches in the Christian realm. Um, if you're into it, look into Buddhism or... Um, I don't I can't think of like the actual terms but look into that stuff and that's another thing you can take from all these religions too Mm -hmm. and not really make your own religion but your own like thought system right and and if God is real and we tend to all three believe he is here Mm -hmm. wouldn't he be big enough to reveal himself through any of those paths and I think that he in every religion has their own form of God whether it's Allah or Mm -hmm. whether it's like buddha or anything they have that higher up Mm -hmm. and it's all godly if i might interject please so i I actually find myself lacking in friendship 
regarding those who identify under Christian faith. I have many, many friends that are Buddhist, Jewish, Muslim, mm -hmm. and so on. Now, I read many pages from the Quran, mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful read. It's completely different than the Bible, but it's completely the same. It's a completely different religion, but it has so many of the same base morals. And then I guess you could go into the, the sociology of it and how, oh, people, people organize under religions to, to form unity and, and put a societal structure um, in place. But, but really, I think that there's so much more there that you can learn by, you, you may be a devout Catholic. I highly recommend picking up another text of religion oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and reading it and I seeing the agree. comparisons. Can I share one thing? My, I had a Muslim friend, a really dear friend, yes. and I remember one night he was at our house and I was reading a Bible story to my son. Mm -hmm. And I was reading him the story of Samuel. Oh, I know. You know the story of Samuel when he kept hearing God talk to him? Do you remember yeah. that story? Yes, I do. And he was like, Eli, Eli, what is it? And he's like, so my son, I think I made the joke. He was like, Mom, did you talk to me? And I said, no, honey. Maybe you're Samuel or something. Maybe God's talking to you because he'd asked me like three times, what'd you say, Mom? And then he's, so I shared with Josiah the story in front of my Muslim friend. And he said, that was so beautiful you did that. Do you realize that's in the Quran? I had no idea that there was the same Bible story, same, so much of our Old Testament was so similar mm -hmm. in some of the same stories that were in there. I found that to be very beautiful. Yeah, I think at the root of every person, whether they, okay, maybe not like a super atheist or something like that, but everybody wants a relationship with God. Or maybe even for an atheist, they want that relationship with some sort of higher power. And I think every religion like has that. So yeah, in the Quran, there's going to be things that are similar in any other text. And I do want to look into that. I want to do more reading. And it's interesting how it is so easy for us to criticize oh, well, Buddhism is just new age, or, well, have you read the texts of Buddha? You know, did you know that historically they say him and Jesus grew up, or I don't know if that's true or not, I haven't looked into it, so I'm not going to make that claim. Right. But so many people, oh, Islam is not a peaceful religion. Okay, have you read the Quran? No. So They're there's just, no credibility there. Right. So I'm just saying, if you're going to make those assumptions, please pick up those texts and look into them. You know, yeah. I didn't realize till I met with some Mormons that would come to my house every week that they believed in Jesus. That they, I didn't realize that. I thought that they were just this other religion yeah. that, you know, I didn't, now they don't believe they think he's a sacrifice for sin or whatever, yeah. but they still believed. And it, very interesting. And we do have far more in common than what we realize. And it, it's amazing to me that people actually think that Islam is not a peaceful religion because those are just, the radicals and everyone has radicals there's radical catholics there's radical islam there's radical, radical evangelicals the, it, the god hates fags people are baptists everything yes. and that's just that's just what people see like you said when you were saying that one lady in your conversation was bringing you down that's because the negative outweighs the positive yes. like you hear that and that sticks with it you sticks so with much me. more than yeah. the positive Okay, so go back. What do you think, for both of you, what are some hindrances that you hear? Oh, I'm not a believer because... Well, tying all this back yes. to that, yeah. um, 
it's interesting to hear what other people think mm-hmm. at our age. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually been very curious to what other people's views are on religion since I was about 16. Granted, that's only like three years of time that I've been asking people these questions. But questions range from what do you believe in? Who do you believe in? Why do you believe in it? Is it because of your parents? Is it because of this? Why don't you believe? Mm-hmm. A lot of people... Actually, let's start this out this way. I think religion is a moral base of code. It's a code, it's a code for people that uh, gives us rules, that gives us these ethics, these, these ideas that we should follow as a human race, that we should follow um, to better serve each other in, in this natural world. And then you're introduced with life outside of religion. You're introduced with other organizations, school, jobs, um, hobbies even. They also give you this set of code, this set of moral standards that you should follow. And that's one more thing that's on your plate. One more thing of, of moral ethics. And what people, what I've gathered is, I won't directly say it, but what I've gathered is, oh, it's just another thing to do in my life when it comes to people our age giving time for religious activity. It's another thing to do. And, and with that being said, I feel that in this time, in these young, younger years of our life, we're, we're discovering these ideas of moral code, ethics, what we want to do with our life. And, and that's just another thing to a lot of people, another mm-hmm. thing that they have to do. They mm-hmm. don't see it as enjoyment. They see it as a burden, a, chore. a, burden, a chore. Mm-hmm. That's what I gather. Mm-hmm. I agree. So... I think that's mm-hmm. one issue people are So facing. they don't have time for that or to pursue that. They don't that. want to make time for it. Mm-hmm. Do you see that there's, in your experience, has science conflicted with faith? Is there, any, is there a dichotomy oh, yeah. there? Yes. It's ridiculous what postmodernism has done. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I also don't think it's a good thing. Um, it just depends on how you look at it. It's everything, again, everything is based on someone's scope of view, their mm-hmm. point, their field of view, what they think, what they believe, their ideas, beliefs, everything. And I believe that if you're swayed on, let's just go left or right, religious, non-religious, left being religious, right, not, not religious. You're, okay, you're religious on the left. You look at all these, these concepts of sciences. Okay, this is really cool. This is just a way to break down what God has given us. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the right, the far, that, that side that doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is just how it is. This is just what it is on the microbial level. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's funny, we have the same thing that we prove for God or against God. Right. It's like, yeah, some of the most amazing, beautiful <laughs> things. Like, I've heard that, like, the way our eyes are, the irises in our eyes are is similar mm-hmm. to the planet structure or whatever. Right. So I go, wow, God was so cool that he took this pattern and he repeated it up there. That's amazing. Right. And then someone else goes, no, it's just science. That proves there's not a God. It just proves that there's things. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we kind of tend to um, take the same things and make right. the same argument, you know, mm-hmm. the different argument. Yeah. Um, quick thing about the science. God gave us science. That's what I believe. Like, mm-hmm. I, I totally too. believe in the Big Bang Theory. I just think that God made that happen. Mm. Okay. Like, I don't think it was... Interesting. That's yeah. really, really hard for me to believe that two atoms, you know, these tiny, tiny, tiny little things mm-hmm. just happen to be in the same space space mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. and hit each other, and all this was created. Mm-hmm. That's hard for me to believe. So I think 
that takes faith. That's yeah. A, that takes a measure of faith to not right. to believe it just randomly happened mm-hmm. is also a measure of faith, right? So that general idea. But um, going back to your question, for Catholics specifically, a lot of them have grown up with um, parents or grandparents or church elders shoving it down their throat. Mm-hmm. And I hate that so much. It hurts my heart because of how beautiful of a religion I think it is. Um, and there was a time when my dad would constantly be talking about religion and stuff. And I had to tell him, I was like, Dad, look, I love you. I love the religion. This is great. But I want to talk about it when I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Not every single conversation. Like, we'd go to the grocery store. So, Emily, how's CRE going? Catholic Religion Education. And I'd be like, good, we learned about this and this and this. And then he'd just go on this rant and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like, Dad, look, I do want to learn about it, but on my own time. If I have questions, I will ask you. And I've lived up to that. I ask my dad questions all the time, but it's not just religion talk now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people... Um, get it shoved down their throat like you're going to be a priest someday. You have to be a priest um, or in the religious life somehow and you're going to do all these prayers every night and stuff like that. And while I do think praying every day is a thing that I'd like to start doing more of, it's not going to be for everyone and everybody's prayer life is different. Everybody's prayer life is different. Like, you're not, I'm not going to just sit there and pray a couple Hail Marys and an Our Father and call it good. I talk to God. I go out for a walk. I find God a lot more in nature than I do inside a church. That's a beautiful thing that you just mentioned because I completely agree. Exactly. In nature, I feel closer to Mm -hmm. our creator. Yeah. And I believe that as humans, we've created these structures to Mm -hmm. honor what he's given us yeah but at the same time and now actually let's go back church isn't a place church is a collective group of people coming together yes Yes. we're two or three are gathered together Mm -hmm. yeah we have church right now now. hello (laughs) church is in session yes and 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 especially looking at at these vast monumental structures in spain these monasteries these Mm. beautiful cathedrals Mm -hmm. You think, wow, I think that there's more here than just the idea of coming together as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you kind of look at it as a power play. Mm-hmm. Look at this beautiful, heavenly monstrosity of a building. It's, 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 it's giant. Mm-hmm. And I feel that there was a time, and again, there was a time that that was necessary to maintain order mm-hmm. as people. Religion used to be yeah. a government. Used to control. Yeah. Used to control, right, mm-hmm. right, right. And I feel that in history classes, that's taught. I still remember these history classes that, oh, church did this, church did this. Oh, the oligarchy and the, the hierarchy of this. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, that's definitely part of, I think, almost all religions' histories. Mm-hmm. But, but... Now you've got these millennials, you've got our age, people mm-hmm. with these lessons through history, with just a negative view of the church, of mm-hmm. a yeah. church, of in, 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 in not only just, just the, the lessons given to us by 
or uh, on the basis of the Catholic Church. This has been talked about about the Hindu religion, the Buddhists, and all the evangelical, evangelical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it gives you a negative outlook. Now, when you're given that as a child, when you're given that when your brain is developing, you remember those things. Like mm-hmm. going back to our, our my, my personal story, you remember the negatives. Mm-hmm. When you read a news feed about something terrible happening, yeah, you remember that and you remember what those details were. Mm-hmm. So I think that as society moves forward, um, Especially if, if there's, this, there's this idea of faith being instilled in, in young, young individuals that, that people need to really idolize. Not, not in the sense that you know, you're, you're, you're forcing it down people's throats, mm-hmm. but you're offering the option to explore yourself through your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a huge part in it, and that's something that's not covered in a history class. Right. Granted, we have secular rules. We have to maintain that abstinence, that, that difference um, from the church. You can't do that in a public school setting. Separation of church yes, and state. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, but that's part of history. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. argue that because if you're given these, these negative facts through history, mm-hmm. that sticks with you. Again, I still remember these history lessons because they were negative. They were mm. negative Interesting. ideals. So you're saying, like, because we're taught secularly in the public school system, the history of religion, which is pretty bloody and awful, the Crusades, all that right. stuff, right. It's, we're left with a negative connotation, and you're not free to say in the public school, explore your own personal relationship with God, or, you know, this is man's way to reach God, but man, use religion, but that's not necessarily what religion is. Yes. Because you're not able to say that, mm-hmm. you're kind of indoctrinated from an early age to think it's a horrible thing. Exactly. And the thing is... That's it, interesting. We're creatures of comfort. I'll tie all this together. Yeah. So we don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's so obvious. But think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, all these bad, bad negative mm-hmm. opinions, all these bad mm-hmm. facts... You, you don't know the good ones. Right. They yeah. haven't told you that. Yeah. And especially when you have that negative ideology, that negative picture in your head, when mm-hmm. someone comes and presents you a good thing, mm-hmm. it just kind of gets slid under the table it because does. you don't remember that. And then, and then it comes to the idea that someone could just honestly be doing you, trying to do you a favor mm-hmm. for this instance, for any instance. And, and after a while, maybe they've talked to you two or three times. That third time or that fourth time... It's gonna sound just like they're bothering you. They're annoying you. They're 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 just giving you too much of what you don't want because you've already quote unquote heard it. Right. Yeah. Does that? Especially does that, as a teenager. Yeah. Yes, as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. over it. Yeah. That's why when I'm talking to my friends about religion, mm-hmm. I'll straight up tell them I'll be like, hey. I love talking about this, and I will totally talk to you about this. I will take you to church. I'll do whatever you want to do regarding religion. But I also don't mind not. Like, we don't have to talk about it. That's beautiful. And I'll be like, um, like when I'm talking to a new person, I'll be like, no, I'm going to bring up that funny story that happened in church, something cool that I heard in that mission trip that I went to. Right. But I'm not going to shove it down your throat. It's just an interesting fact. It's part of me, so you're going to get to know me. And if that's interesting to you, then we'll talk more about it. You're that saint that you read that, you know, that you can go out and have a beer with your friends. Yeah. Or if you're a baby, well. of course. <laughs> okay. And um, also re- reiterate what you learned last Sunday in church, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
we are people having a human experience. Yep. We are spiritual beings having, a, in my opinion, we are a spiritual being. Not everybody yes. agrees with that, but we're having a human experience, and we're having it collectively alongside of each other. Right. So if part of you is a believer, that's a part of who you are. That's it's me. It's a part of Emily, a part of Ben. But then a part of you, if a part of you is directly opposed to that, that's also a part of you, and I want to know who that is too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's very interesting that uh, we uh, we leave it as this little corner of our life we have to pretend that we don't have. Um, I feel like at college, we should be who we are. Oh, yeah. And as a professor, I feel like it's okay to say who I am. I'm not, it's wrong for me to tell me you should be like me, to tell you that. It's wrong for me to say, I'm a believer, you should be too. That definitely crosses the line, especially in a public institution. And I would never do that. But I also don't need to shirk back if I'm asked. I've been asked to pray for students. They've come to my office. Um, I've you know, talk to families when they went through things. I, I don't have to, but you know, I am. Uh, it's part of who I am. That's who you are. Yeah, that's who I am, and it's part of what makes it's your identity. Kathy, Kathy. Yeah, it's part of my identity, <laughs> and our Kathy. spiritual identity <laughs> like is part of who we are. And um, even if we don't identify spiritually, because then that becomes part of who we are. Um, because we have really honest and good reasons oftentimes to not believe. Mm -hmm. And I guess those are these things I really want to talk about in this podcast where parents could listen to this podcast and go, okay, it's too painful for me to hear that my son is gay and is a Christian, but I can listen to this young man named Ben that I might not ever meet and go, wow, I would never want to judge my son. Does my son feel that way? And you'll say something that will resonate with their heart and they'll go, oh my God. You know, I want to connect with my son. I don't ever want him to feel like God hates him or my son's an atheist, you know, and somebody says, you know, my, my oldest son is an atheist and he came to me and when he told me several years ago, it was horrible. We actually had the idea for this podcast and he said, mom, we should do a podcast. And I said, honey, you just make me cry. I go, we have to have rules because I felt so challenged. Right. How could you be an atheist when I raised you, you received Jesus in your heart at five and you did this and it was all so important to you. And then all of a sudden, he goes, but mom, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. Now I can hear that, and it doesn't cause me pain. I'm not like, oh, because you know what? My faith isn't in my son. Right. My faith isn't in me. Mm-hmm. My faith is in God. Right. So if God is real, which at this point I checked, I believe that he is still, okay? I think he's bigger than us, and I think he's even bigger than my son. Yes. So... It's not my job to convert anybody. Mm-hmm. And when you take that pressure off yourself, you can just love people where they're at and not worry about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And you right. want to hear what they have to say. And I believe your generation doesn't feel heard. Oh, Do you yeah. think that's no, true? That's true. Is that a true statement in a, your opinion? It isn't. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's very true. Um, I, I, I think that with the rise of social media Mm -hmm. we can connect with each other like no other generation before i mean and Mm -hmm. every other generation that's alive is benefiting from this too we used to write letters back in our day (laughs) right you used to write letters we used to take three days to get a message to somebody yeah right now it's three seconds yeah and and in that i feel this is this this might be a uh, um this is just an observation may it could be wrong i'm now a professor i haven't studied this but 
the idea of instant gratification mm. i feel that we have a voice we all have voices now mm-hmm. we can you have power we you have, have power social power. media whereas yeah but things take time and mm-hmm. people don't realize that movement social change any i any anything that is pushed for change that requires a voice and a body mm-hmm. to represent that takes time mm-hmm. now we can quickly get restaurant reservations in probably five minutes we can get mm-hmm. any any information at our fingertips in 10 seconds mm-hmm. and i feel that addition to this this world has given the idea that oh no we don't have a voice because things take time mm-hmm. so it takes a while for that change that movement to happen mm-hmm. and so because we believe that oh we don't have a voice but realistically we do we do it's because we don't have the patience mm-hmm. we have people people when they say oh we don't have a voice no i don't think it's that i argue that we don't have the patience for to wait change. for the effect yes exactly yeah. yeah okay that's what i think we need to change the idea of because we all have social media we all have some way of getting mm-hmm. our ideas our opinions out there i get that and i i see that ben but do you think that y- my generation the 40s 50s do we listen to you guys enough do we put enough stock in what you have to say that's what i was gonna say is that i don't think the older generation quite (laughs) this is gonna sound very millennial they don't get us you know um i don't get us i don't (laughs) we're hard to understand but um it's just hard because i think if anybody, if people are like me, they have a lot of ideas that they want to get out. Like, throughout this whole thing, I've just got, I want to say all the things. I know we're not going to have time for that. But, um, and I worry that people don't take us seriously because, you know, mm. millennials aren't buying houses. Because, mm-hmm. you know what? The economy, we can't right. afford that. Right. But some of the older generation doesn't get that. And they're like, well, why aren't they investing in their future? Why don't they want to have kids? Why aren't they buying diamonds? Mm-hmm. Because, and then they don't listen to us when we try to explain. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, I'm not, I've not had this personal Fair experience, enough. but I've like read enough and seen like, we just don't have the means to. Mm-hmm. And, and my generation falsely equated a successful life with a paid off mortgage and so many of this and, and in a material way. I would say we right. were pretty materialistic. And I see a lot of your generation kicking back. You want work-life balance. You don't want to be a workaholic. You don't want your life to just be about where you went from eight to five. And mm-hmm. there's some things you want life to be more meaningful than that. And money is not as meaningful as maybe my generation held it. So when we see you not achieving these huge goals that we attempted to achieve, right. we think your worth and value is kind of tied up in that. So what are you worth? <laughs> How do you have value? Right. You haven't, you know, right. yeah. I I completely agree with that actually. And now I have a very close relationship with my grandparents and and they're, again they're very forward thinking, very just mm-hmm. all for like whatever's new. I mean, mm-hmm. old grandma, 85 years old, has her oh. iPad, loves oh. it, knows oh. knows it better than I know my iPad. And and that's a beautiful thing. However, a lot of people, again, going back to us being creatures of comfort, we love our habits and we love the idea. Have you ever 
seen an open parking spot and you're like, okay, I'm gonna take that one. Now you go next week, that same open parking spot is there, you usually take it. Mm -hmm. Because we are comfortable with it. Now I think that it also has to deal with our, our, our perspective of the world. Mm -hmm. They grew up in a different time yeah, where exactly. money was very important. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not important because yeah. it is important. Yeah. However, that was the focus. Okay, mm -hmm. we gotta fix this economy. We have to do this with this and that. Mm -hmm. We need to make right. sure that mm -hmm. things are happening. Work is getting done. Yeah. But now we're in an age where people are actually thinking about giving a a a a, a an, uh, what's it called global income. People are thinking about that. Yeah. And yeah. There's people who say, oh, no, it's not going to work. Economists, this, this, and that, this, this, and that. But, but we don't know if it's going to work. We don't just do it. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, granted. Your worldview is definitely bigger. Yeah. Right? Like, our worldview was kind of like us four and no more. You're, you have a more global perspective. Yes. This generation does. This is, this is one part that I, I am so strong. I have many. <laughs> I feel very strongly about the world. I love America. God bless America. Mm -hmm. Love everything about us. We have our issues. So does every other country in the world. Mm -hmm. We also have our positive values. We have just just like every other country in the world. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But that's the thing, and, and I know this is a podcast about religion. That's fine. And I don't mean to bring politics into this. Mm -hmm. I really don't care about American politics when there are bigger issues mm -hmm. that we could so address as an American populace with the world. Agreed. Again, a difference between your generation and mine. We were American-minded. Yes. You guys are global-minded. I and definitely I see would, that. I would say kudos to you because I bet you there are people out there that think that's what's wrong with you. Okay? Right. You should be America, America. But let's argue it from a Christian perspective. Jesus even brought up about going, bringing the gospel from Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. There was always a global, Jesus, God so loved the what? World. World. That he gave his only, right? Yeah. So I would argue that Christ was a globalist, <laughs> you know, right? It yeah. wasn't, he came for the, the Jew, the Gentile, the Greek, right? right? And, but we have been taught this American version of Christianity to kind of be us and protect us mm -hmm. and the immigrant you know what nope you're not from here what does the scripture say welcome yeah the immigrant yes. the alien you know right and i see that you're definitely your worldview is way bigger than my worldview growing up right and i think in general yeah we should care about america being americans because like like they say you have to take care of yourself first yeah. before you can help other people yeah i think if we could make america think like us mm -hmm. that'd be helping us that'd be helping america and then if my interview yeah mm -hmm. but that's the thing we haven't had our time yet as millennials yeah. as this right. generation we, that's true we aren't in positions of power yet yes. we right. aren't right. in positions of big ability to make change we don't have that yet yet mm -hmm. so all these ideas that we're fostering all these ideas that we're mm -hmm. gathering I think is going to truly benefit not only this nation, Beautiful. but this world. Beautiful. They're going back to what religion is. It's a moral construct for people to follow. And mm -hmm. like all religions, to serve. to serve, to serve each other, mm -hmm. to serve the greater good of the human collective. Mm -hmm. I, am, I am all for 
shaking hands with someone that identifies completely different than me because we face we're facing the same global issues and we're ready to take that on together through what makes us our faith yeah i have two songs come to my mind one is by trevor hall you guys should look him up and whoever listens to this trevor hall but there's a song called um how do we wage war when we're all under the same sky but then exactly. I was thinking of John Mayer's song, Waiting Ooh. on the World to Change. Yes. Remember? That one. And he says, me and all my friends, we're all misunderstood. Yeah. They say we stand for nothing, and there's no way we ever could. But we're waiting on the world to change. They're waiting for their chance, their turn. Yeah. Right? And it's really wrong for me to say, oh, you guys are the worst generation ever. When you have, you're in college, here you are, both of you in college, Attempting to obtain a degree to make a difference in a certain field, mm-hmm. you music therapy, right? Mm-hmm. You want to improve people's quality of life even as they're dying, right? Mm-hmm. You want to comfort them, you want to help them in ways with autism and all that stuff. You know, Ben, what do you want to do? I forgot what you're in school for. I'm in school for international business and sociology. Yeah, see, I mean, you are, ugh. I mean, <laughs> the applications of that I can think of are like, are so so big yes and so it's like you haven't had a chance yet to employ all and that's that's such a great argument and i think there's so much more that this 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 topic is so worldly that it could go on forever yeah but that's the thing we want the world to go on forever we want that and are you ever afraid it won't as a millennial are you afraid it'll just cease to exist that we'll just destroy it at some point i mean apart from god being you're both believers you probably believe you'll be in heaven or whatever but i'm just saying apart from religiously are you just afraid we're just gonna pardon my french fuck it up so bad that we're just gonna destroy it we already are and it's unfortunately we're not going to be able to help this world if we don't help ourselves Mm -hmm. for instance the pollution there's another continent formed now on the Pacific yeah. because of our waste. Not yeah. just America's. Yeah. Not just the white man. Our being the our world. Our being. Mm-hmm. It's a human collective. And, and that's why I'm all for going to Mars. That's why I'm all for the exploring the unknown. Other options. Other options. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a fail-safe plan. Because how things are going, mm-hmm. I don't know if Earth is going to withstand Sustainable. it. Sustainable. Yeah. And... And if I, if I might continue, please, this gives us an opportunity not only to start over, but to rewrite our history, to look back at where all the flaws have happened, both through secular, non-secular, through religion, non-religious. I know I just said mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. this gives us the opportunity to recreate the human race as a more, hey, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. You may believe one thing. Mm-hmm. I may believe another. But our creators, who we believe in, created us to be here Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we don't have to get along and we share the same time and space we -hmm. we are here together so what are we going to do about it there's power in in being together i actually haven't given that much thought but as you were saying that i was kind of thinking what don't we start and then realize like a paper you write your first draft (laughs) And then you're like, hmm, here's some things I can fix. Mm. You write your second paper. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still some things I can fix. We're constantly revisioning. Why yeah. shouldn't Earth be like that? Why shouldn't humans be like mm-hmm. that? Like, start over on Mars. Start over somewhere else. That's a very optimistic view. I would argue that a lot of young people don't have that. They're very depressed. 
yeah. you know, the suicide rate amongst millennials is high. The mm-hmm. depression, the... How many of your friends would you say, could you guys just give me percentage-wise, both of you give me a percentage that, you, that your friends are on some form of medication for depression or anxiety? Again, probably 50-50. Wow. Um, Friends-wise, um, none. But acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Friends I hold dearly. Mm-hmm. I only have a few mm-hmm. of them. Acquaintances, mm-hmm. at least 80%. Wow. And, and it's, they're not bad people. No, none of no, them are. No, not at all. They're just scared. They're scared. Yeah. And, 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 and the pressure of society, American society, mm-hmm. there are, there's a stigma there is this 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 idea you need to go and and you need to get that college degree find that nine to five job mm-hmm. and then work that the rest of your life and mm-hmm. pay off your mortgage have a family what, what does that feel like enough for you no, oh, no there are no. things i want to do yeah that. do you know what i'm in my 50s having my first real job in the last few years <laughs> and that's not enough for me yeah and i'm in my 50s Stay i, I want to leave this world a different place than when i than when I came into it. Yes. You know, and I feel like being older and like having cancer last year, I feel like my clock is ticking, you yeah. know? So it's like, I got to do it, right? Good. But many people my age is like, no, how am I going to retire? Where am I going to go? That's it. But, and you guys aren't like that. That's not enough for you, no. the nine to five and the degree. You, right. Your life doesn't end there. I think um, that... The, the whole depression thing. It also comes with the social media thing. Mm-hmm. You see all those people, like, that look so much better than you, quote, yeah, unquote. Yeah, the comparison and, culture we live yeah, in. Yeah. It's um, hard. And then they don't seek help because mm-hmm. they think that's going to make them weak. But when in reality, that's, like, one of the strongest things you can do is ask somebody for help. That's beautiful, honey. It is so true. And I would argue that that would be the reason to um, a reason for faith is that it it lets us be loving and gives us motivation unfortunately though caring about other people is equated with religion falsely in many ways Mm -hmm. in my experience the meanest people I've ever met have been religious people. I've met some yeah, really too. mean yeah. on my Facebook this morning. I have a guy oh. I'm really trying not to block because <laughs> got to have the love of Jesus, okay? Right. But uh, he's on there going, uh, now he's trashing Neil Young, but whatever. I'm not going to go there. But uh, <laughs> like, ouch, that hurts so bad. But, uh, you know, it's that I've known the most loving atheists too. Right. You know, so love but I do believe love comes from God, and he puts it in all of us, this ability to love each other. Mm-hmm. And we deny him that right to love each other through our each other. You know, we had to be, in my opinion, Jesus with skin on, okay? Who's Jesus? Who's this guy? The little baby Jesus. Is he the baby Jesus at Christmas? Is he the one at Easter? No, he might be Ben or Kathy. He lives in Kathy. He lives in Emily, you know? And when somebody's broken and hurting... I believe it's the love of God that compels me to minister to them and to love them right where they're at, even if they don't believe there's a God. Right. That's totally, because it's not my job to show them that God is real, but it is my job to live out this love that I say I know. Right. Right? Yeah. And if it's not love, I would argue it's not God. I agree with that. I think a big thing is joy. Yeah. Joy is a big thing that goes hand in hand with love. Because mm-hmm. there's a difference between, I've heard this somewhere, there's a difference between joy and, like, happiness. Yes. Like, right now, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Later tonight, I might be sad 
for some reason. Well, you know what's an easy way to remember that? Happiness is depending on happenings. Yeah. Joy is this feeling of peace in the midst of your content. Right, a exactly. Shitstorm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, uh-huh. I'm okay. And I, you know? and I like that. Yeah. And I think that's important to, like, find that joy in yeah. yourself so that when you're down, you can re- remember that. And it's good to be down sometimes. It's good to cry sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have to. That's We're humans. We have to. Um, well, why do we appreciate this beautiful day today? Because it was so ungodly hot the last two days. Yeah, right? exactly. 80 feels awesome when you've had 110. Yeah. Okay, the contrast. And life will always be, remember I showed that video in class, life will always be a balance between the good and bad, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and it happens to all of us. Right. And when we want to put either a religious bandage on it where we're not dealing in reality because I've also known people like well it's God you know God this God that God this God that Mm -hmm. you know that's problematic yeah right because if you're going to blame God for the good then you better believe what are you going to do with the bad oh well that's not God but that's God do you know what I'm saying and we've become very flippant about what is and isn't Mm -hmm. and I just I personally believe that we're what faith does is it, it for me is it gives me something to like hold on to hold on to and to walk through this life and it helps me make sense of this world right and you know what how would you feel Emily if you grew up if you died and there was nothing there well, would I you be mad I wouldn't that be you there believed? anymore <laughs> no because it brought me comfort in this life okay. without my religion mm-hmm. i don't know who i'd be because i do have two chronic diseases you know mm-hmm. And without my religion helping me through that, without the people that I've met mm-hmm. going through this journey, I'd be one sad human. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, because I know it's my cross to bear, mm-hmm. and I know I can use it to help other people, and I have. Mm-hmm. And I have that joy inside of me. So that's beautiful. I'm good. How about you, Ben? What if you came into your life and found there was no God? Well, something. Something I, I live by every day. Um, live your life. Live how you want to live. If I died, if I was on my deathbed, how about that? Because then you can look back. Mm-hmm. You know that it's going to end. Mm-hmm. You can look back. I'd say I'd live one damn great life. Even if there was no outcome to mm-hmm. wherever we go. But I had the comfort. And that's exactly what it is. It's the idea of comfort, the idea that there's more to life than what it is on earth right now. What this physical entity of me, this body and mind, mm-hmm. aside from the spirit, is experiencing, mm-hmm. had a great time doing it. Right. And although the spirit, the body, and the mind may die, mm-hmm. and although there might be nothing afterwards, mm-hmm. I still feel that the spirit's going to live on, whether there is a spirit or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, like your, your legacy... It's the legacy that I think is, is so important, whether you're religious or not. You should have that mm-hmm. purpose of living to your end days. I believe that. And, and I, I think it should be said that I've known some beautiful atheists who have said this, and it, it's a great argument. They said they're very offended by, oh, you can't be moral if you're not, if you're an atheist. And they said, no, I feel like I'm more moral because, first of all, I'm not being a good person because I have a reward. Okay. Right. And then they make the argument that if I know my life is over and I'm just going to die and there's nothing, I want to live the best life possible. Right. They yes. would argue I have more motivation to 
make this world a better place because I only have this little time. I know David in the podcast that we were, the original one I told you guys about, he said, you know, if, if I had one of rare 60 Volkswagen Beetles, okay, that was made, and I had only one all over the world, I'm going to take such good care of that Beetle. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, destroy that car. I'm not going to let, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's how I look at my life. It's this is rare opportunity and if this is all I got, I definitely want to leave my mark. How am I going to do it? How will I be remembered? What, what can I, I do, do to make this world a better place? And I think that's definitely an area of commonality. And it's a misnomer that, oh, if you're an atheist, you're not a good person or you don't want to make your life. And I know so many beautiful young people that are just, they're either a nun, they don't believe, or they're done. I believed and I'm sick of it because this is what it left me. So in conclusion today, I really feel honored to speak with two believers, two different perspectives, ironically two Catholics. It's really beautiful and because um, I, n- I never grew up like that. And I, it's, it's really beautiful to see you at 19 and 20 and 19, you know. Yeah. And um, I appreciate you talking with me. Yeah, I appreciate this opportunity. I've been wanting to do something like this for a while. Wow. So do you feel like this is a worthy endeavor that we're doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Hundred percent. Absolutely yeah. urge you to to reach for for other backgrounds of identities, yes. other yes. religions, uh-huh. other other yeah. philosophies. Yes. But also common ground as well, because yeah. I think that again we explain the things we don't understand to each other, mm-hmm. and that is the beautiful part about that is. human existence. And I think that I'm going to find this lovely string of consistency throughout all of it you know because when you take out the hostility and the judgment where you don't feel judged by me and I don't feel judged by you remember that was our rule our rule was you got to be 100% you and I get to be 100% me then we're having a conversation and we can discover beautiful things about each other and we can discover where we're similar and I think that is how we go forward in life and in general and um I really appreciate your time today thank you Miss Taylor for having us so much it's an honor Thank you.